We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zeggers. Today we're going to be picking up on the conversation on birth control and health that we were discussing in the last episode. I'm going to give my thoughts on plan B and I'll answer a question on when to move out and live on your own as a young adult, or at least my thoughts on the general topic because I've got some thoughts. Let's get into it. But of course, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now has a brand new fabric that's made with temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now has a brand new fabric that's made with the temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code MORGAN. MyPillow 2.0 temperature-regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, use promo code MORGAN. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MORGAN. Thank you. All right, so just to kick things off as a general reminder, this is going to be episode three of a little series that I'm doing about living a solutionary lifestyle, controlling the controllables, shaping your habits, really just answering the questions that have to do with immediate positive solutions that we can make or changes to our mindset on topics that societies may be pushing bad things onto us through. Okay, so to get started, a common question that I always get has to do with America's future. One that really caught my eye said, do you think America can be saved at this point and how? Just a reminder The episodes that I'm doing, this is the third one of my little series talking about controlling your controllables, having a positive solution to things instead of just constantly complaining and and feeling like, oh my gosh, we're doomed. The Republic is is about to face its end. I, I talk about these things because I really do think that the way out of this mess is going to have to do with our homes, with individuals improving themselves, building strong families, and then bringing generational solutions to the country. I really only think that we're going to fix this situation generationally. It's long-term. And what I said two episodes ago is that perhaps we have to come to the realization that we aren't going to be the crazy change makers. We aren't going to be the revolutionaries. We were put in this time specifically as everything's getting incredibly bad because of weak men. You know, they say weak men create hard times, hard times create strong men. We are... (laughs) placed in the situation of weak men in leadership creating hard times and we're be, we're going through and about to go through even worse hard times and then it could be our children or our grandchildren that are the ones that become the strong men built out of those hard times that bring the positive change and so we need to become not just okay with because i think we have a situation of pride we want to be the revolutionaries we want to be the winners we want to be the ones that brought crazy change compared to our founders and when we see that we're not going to be the ones to do it we're like well then everything's just screwed and i'm going to give up and i'm going to go live on my remote homestead you know what i mean what if we just embrace the fact we're going to be the generation that raises 
or becomes the grandparents of the generations that actually change this country structurally for the better. And so our positive solutions are going to come more so in the home, in education, in raising of kids, and in changing culture. And that will, down the road, have positive impacts structurally in our nation or in our government. And I I don't know, I, I find that quite exciting and, and enjoyable. So that's why I talk about these positive changes that we can all make. Let's pick up on the the topic that we were discussing last episode, just to get started. We talked about birth control, about some health questions. And so if you haven't listened to that episode yet, here's a quick, a quick little summary, right? They take young girls that are early teens. It's kind of crazy how, how early and young these girls are. And they say, hey, you got pimples. Hey, you got cramps. You got period symptoms. We will fix that problem. Just take this pill. Go on birth control. It's going to just solve all your problems. You won't have any bad cramps or pimples anymore, and everything will be fine. Just get off of birth control when you're ready to have a baby. And it's basically been an experiment because this has never really been a thing before to put a ton of the women of a nation on something that completely alters their reproductive system and hormonal balance. And what we discussed last episode is that men are on a pretty stable hormone cycle. It's like a 24-hour cycle. Women are on a 28-day hormone cycle where you have four stages of the cycle and it's literally all revolving around your reproductive system, your menstruation, your ovulation. It's a very precious, precious process, right? So to put young teenage girls on a pill that basically blocks the communication between their ovaries, their reproductive system, their hormones, it's all so connected. When you block that for 10 years, guess what? Now we have a lot of fertility issues, whether it was the pills stopping symptoms that would have indicated that they had fertility issues down the road and they could have fixed that problem or the pills themselves are causing fertility issues because, I don't know, they paused the reproductive system for 10 years during a woman's fertile years. It's kind of a big deal. So a lot of people are now coming off of it. A lot of girls and men, women and men are speaking out about this. And I talk about it on the show because girls listen to this, women listen to this, and I don't want you to go on it. I would like you to consider getting off of it if it's the best choice for you. I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm just saying it's something that I would look into if I were you. I personally did. And then I say it for men because you need to be a leader in your household and make sure that your daughter's, if you're a young man, I would encourage you to talk to your girlfriend if you find out she's on it and do it because you care about her and her health. You do it because you care. You do it because you love her. Whether you have sisters, daughters, a wife, a girlfriend, please make sure you're protecting the women in your life from a nasty, nasty thing that could negatively affect them and their future families down the road. So I say all this because I think it's very important that we discuss it. And after COVID, we're all very much aware of the corruption and the big pharma and the the profit-seeking, the schemes that go on behind the scenes. It's no surprise that this scheme has also been happening. If you look at what they did with COVID, it's like, oh, of course they would do something like this with women's fertility in the country, right? Just to make a quick buck. (laughs) And maybe there's more nefarious reasons. But speaking of birth control, one of the other questions that I got was, do you have any favorite skin products? Now, listen, I am not the person to give skincare advice or anything to. I have far from perfect skin, but I do want to mention, because we were talking about birth control, that the two major changes that really affected my skin for the better was getting off of birth control and embracing my natural hormone cycle because it's all very connected. And my health, I think my internal health greatly improved when I did that. And I started embracing my natural cycle 
And then also just with diet, when you remove processed foods, when you remove chemicals and when you stop putting all of those chemicals on your skin as well. Women put about 150 chemicals on their skin each day because of all the products that they put on. And some of those products include things like artificial fragrance that have synthetic hormones in them, synthetic estrogen. And so when you mess up the hormones by putting, you know, chemicals and all these things onto your skin or you're consuming them in your diet, guess what? Things get thrown off. And so you're at your peak health when everything is balanced and normal and healthy and personally, as I believe God intended it. So making sure that you're not poisoning yourself with the things that you're consuming, whether putting on your skin or eating, and then removing yourself from birth control so that you can flourish naturally in your greatest state. Those are the two things that really I would suggest before I say, yeah, go spend hundreds of dollars every month on a fancy dermatologist prescription. You know what I mean? If you're eating processed foods and then you're also paying hundreds of dollars for fancy creams and stuff, I would probably let you know that you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot there. But then speaking of all of this, I wanted to bring up something too regarding health. And I had read something recently that talked about how just like with this embracing a fat culture, this this obesity culture that we have where it's like fat acceptance and all these things and body positivity that's gone beyond just loving your body and appreciating it for its unique shapes and sizes and stuff. Now we're glorifying obesity and unhealthy behaviors. And I read something that said similar to that, we are going too far with that classic term of, oh, looks don't matter. Beauty doesn't matter. Because there's something we should probably consider here that our physical health, how we look on the outside, and I don't mean societal beauty standards of the size of your eyes and the size of your lips and all these things. No, no, no. But but consider the glow of your skin, the brightness of your eyes. Are they white or are they kind of yellowy? Do you have healthy hair, healthy nails, healthy teeth? These kind of things that actually show beauty, natural beauty, those are indicators of your internal health. So now we've gone so far, once again, into an unhealthy embrace of a cultural narrative that we are abandoning a primal concept. And to tag along with this, there's this fun fact that I was really interested in. So I always have red or pink toes. I always paint my toenails pink or red. Just, I don't know. I just thought it looked nice. But then I found out that it's actually scientific that those are the nicest colors to paint your toenails because in this primal way, this is a little weird, but it, it, is the healthiest color because if you are a, somebody seeking a mate, if a man is looking for a woman and put this in primal sense, if he's looking for a woman, then he wants her to be healthy. And so he's going to be more attracted to her if she looks physically healthy. And an indicator of that is if her nails, the actual like colored part of her nails, not the white top part, if those are pink, that's like a, a sign of health. And so when you paint your toes pink, it can actually make you look even healthier. And I always wondered, why do I always like my toes when they're pink? Why do they look the best that way? And I just thought that was a fun fact. Um, but it's another another piece of proof that when you are physically healthy in the true way, then you are physically beautiful and attractive in that way. And I thought that was interesting. But, you know, before we go on, I know I didn't mention any actual products. Always look at the products and their ingredients. But I really do like Beekman 1802. It's actually made in upstate New York. So I give them a lot of credit. But it's like stuff made from goat milk and natural things. It's good for you. <laughs> Now, relating to health and birth control, there was another question that I got quite a few times. I was asked, how do you feel about Plan B and should it be banned? Now, this is a hard truth for many to hear because, once again, it's another lie that we've all been sold. It's a, another narrative that we were told, oh, it's harmless, it's no biggie, it's definitely not an abortion. 
you'll be fine. It just causes a period and it prevents you from getting pregnant if you end up needing that in a situation like that. So oftentimes people that didn't really actually want to do that physical activity that can make a baby, they say, "Uh uh-oh, let me go take a plan B and it's just going to cause my period. It's just going to cause me to have a period and I'm not going to be able to get pregnant if I do it in a certain time period after doing that physical activity that can cause a baby. That's what society tells you. And they are adamant about the fact that it's not an abortion, that it's it's not ending a life or anything like that. But all you got to do, you guys, is read the box and do a little Google search. Because in reality, this is kind of a big deal depending on when you believe life begins. Now, I believe life begins at conception because in science class, you're taught a sperm and an egg cell joined together and then attached to the wall inside a woman, inside of her womb, and then the baby begins to grow. So what happens with plan B is, you know, for the most part, it'll just flush you out, you get your period and everything comes out, and then so you end up not getting pregnant and you don't have anything to worry about. That's the general narrative. But people really have a hard time understanding because it's so countercultural to talk about this or to look and read the the words on the box. People may either just have no idea because they believe the lies that society told them, that Big Pharma told them about Plan B, or they really just don't want to know the facts because it might really upset them. But the bottom line is that if you have a situation of, okay, a baby is formed because a sperm cell and an egg cell combined and attached to you, what happens If that occurs and then you take plan B and that little formation of cells that has begun to form a human, that gets flushed because you have taken a plan B and it has shed your inner lining. That's what happens with a period if you guys, if boys are listening and don't know this. So you could have been pregnant and had that flushed out of you. And that's a really hard thing for people to accept because we were told that it's not an abortion pill. We were told it's not ever going to be able to kill a baby or anything like that. But that's because those people don't believe that that was a life that got taken out if it was, in fact, formed cells together that, you know, an egg and a sperm cell formed together and attached already. They don't believe that that's a life. But a lot of people do believe that that's a life. And then they see everybody say, don't worry, it would never flush a baby. And what do you know, it actually did. So that's why I'm pretty passionate about this, because I think knowing that information, it changes a lot of people's minds about if they would want to use plan B or not, or if they support the using of plan B, whether it's by you or someone else. Now, when it comes to should it be banned or not, I at least would hope I like to think in practical steps because I have a hard time imagining that getting banned given all the corruption and all of the the big pharma influences and the the women's movement and everything. I have a hard time imagining that getting banned, but I would at least prefer that they have to clearly label and communicate what is actually happening when you take the pill. That's at least what I would work for as that first step. Um, So if you didn't know that, now you do. And now you can probably see why I'm a lot more passionate about talking about these kind of things now because, once again, it was a scam. We were sold a lie, and it turns out the impact of that lie is quite dangerous. But here's the thing that I wanted to talk about next and really take up uh, the majority of the episode. We're going to end on this question. I got a question, and I've gotten this a few times from different angles, whether it's young women or young men asking, you know, when should I grow up and mature and move out of my parents' house or Uh, People asking, how do you afford XYZ after college? How long do you have to wait to save up for a down payment? How come I can't afford properties? Or from young women that are like, what the heck am I supposed to do if I want to be a stay-at-home mom right now? 
but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with the time in between. And as a young lady, now I'm 26. So am I old? Does that mean I can't call myself a young lady? When does that get, when does that take, get taken away from me? As somebody that personally went through this of like, of course, I, I want to be a traditional woman. I want to be focused on my family in the future. I have no desire to build up some career, or be in an office all day or anything like that. What the heck am I supposed to do as a single lady trying to pay bills <laughs> and just live in society and especially in a society that's very against the lifestyle that I want for myself and tells me that I'm like anti-women and all that jazz just because I believe in traditional roles. What the heck are we supposed to do? And so I wanted to embrace this question of when should you start living on your own as a young adult and talk about it more in detail in the future, but kind of touch on the basics of this is really something that requires a mindset change, a mindset shift. When we consider that phrase, controlling your controllables, doing what you can to bring positivity in this world of chaos, becoming somebody that lives for solutions and brings generational change, like I said at the beginning of the episode and how I keep hammering it home in other episodes, we may be the parents or grandparents of the generation that saves this country truly, but they won't get there on their own. They'll get there because of how we raise them and how we bring them up and teach them about the world that they are entering. So. That being said, how can we set the tone for our family? How can we set the tone for ourselves? How can we do it for our future family? And how can we reject societal expectations and judgments in order to achieve what's more purposeful? Reject the worldly stuff, embrace what is good and true and righteous. And for me, this is the thing. I don't talk to many people. I don't have much of an outer circle. In that way. So I don't often think about like keeping up with the Joneses. I don't even know. I don't have anybody to compare to. You know what I mean? Because I'm so obsessed with my little homestead vibe. I'm so into it. I'm so out of the mindset of trying to keep up with other people or compare in that way that I forget how it's still the situation. There's parents out there still just pushing and pushing for their kid to get some crazy liberal arts degree at some fancy school just because it looks good to the other parents in the school district. Like that kind of stuff still goes on across the country. And I forget that because the people, you know, in my little circle and the the people listening to the podcast and everything, like we're kind of in the vibe of looking for something bigger than that. And if we could reach others with this message, then sure. But for the most part, they're just super judgy. There's a bunch of judgy people out there. They don't have any larger view of what's really at stake here, of what really matters, the kind of generational impact they can have. They're living for the now and they're keeping up with the Joneses and they're hustling, hustling, hustling to get to that retirement phase. And then what do you know, life's over. And it's almost like, you know, if they end up changing their minds and want to join us, then sure. But I don't really want to focus on convincing them why it's good to join us as much as I would rather focus on taking the people that truly care and just running with it. You know what I mean? So in terms of controlling your controllables, we need to set the tone for us and our family moving forward. And that includes living situations. What does it mean to build a community? And to do all these things, I'm telling you right now, you need to reject societal expectations. You need to reject and ignore judgments because they will come at you. Okay. I remember, you know, I, I spend, mm, I used to spend like an hour a day, but now I do it a little less because I've just been on the road so much and visiting my family and everything. So my schedule is kind of thrown off, but I used to spend and spend a little time now doing 
this gathering process of homeschool information, homeschool curriculum, best practices, best approaches, resources, books, all these things. And I am so excited about homeschooling in the future. And I would love to build it into like a community homeschool pod. That's my little vision. But I've never done it. And so I just learn from other people. And the really shocking thing, because I am so into my little stuff and so not interested or focused or worried about what other people say, that I have to be reminded that there's still people that are really harsh about stuff like this. And so when I talk to homeschool moms and I hear the stuff that they go through, they have family members that will casually in front of other family ask the homeschooled kids, the children of the family, about certain topics about reading or about what books and and about these things and they are testing to see how smart those homeschool kids really are and not in a way of oh i'm so interested in this but more in a judgmental way of these kids are probably dumb because they get homeschooled and then those parents are put through that experience of knowing that the family members or the friends or whoever it is are really just testing the kids because they think that they are behind because of the poor quality of a homeschool so, so when you hear the actual trials and tribulations and the judgments that people go through to be able to live out the kind of lifestyle that we all talk about, it's like, dang, okay, so I got to toughen up a little bit because I just don't face that stuff because I don't put myself in those circles. But I have to imagine that one day I will be put in those situations and I wonder how I'll deal with it. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about it on the show. <laughs> um, so let's get back to the question. Living on your own as a young adult, and I don't really... I'm not just going to answer this as like, well, at this age, you should move into this kind of apartment and then have this many roommates and this kind of stuff. That's not the answer that I'm going to give you. Instead, we're going to talk about the concept of having young kids move out and never come back home and the detachment that occurs between generations in a family, some of the issues that we're facing because of these societal expectations and what we can do to kind of change it. So some of the issues that came to mind with this Right off the bat, it is standard because, you know, we're taught men and women are totally the same and it's weird for women to want anything but going and doing the same process as men in terms of their career and building a life. Standard practice right now and expectations, and you get judged if you don't do this, is for both genders to go to college, to decide what they want to do at 18 years old, go to an expensive college. If you go to anything but a four-year school, then you're judged for that as well. And then you have to, after school, move into an apartment whether that's with a roommate or if you are lucky enough to get a job where you can pay for an apartment on your own, which you probably can't, you'll do that. But the thing isn't even to just move into an apartment or anything, but society almost forces it on you that it's it's good to move away from your hometown. It's normal to run away from your family, your hometown, your roots, all that stuff. It's not just like they push, oh, it's good to get out there and leave the nest for a little bit. Instead, if you look at what Hollywood says, what music says, what TV shows say, movies, all of it pushes that your home is a place where you should just desire greatly to run from. And I, the more I look at it, I'm like, this is kind of disturbing. Speaking of this is kind of disturbing, I am more and more disturbed by TV. I mentioned recently that I watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> and when you sit there and watch the show, And if you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. It is basically P-O-R-N. And and just nakedness and R-A-P-E scenes and the the things that they say to each other are like 
not just bad, but like bad, bad, bad. And so it's one thing to like watch it and be like, oh, this is a crazy show, really out there, all this stuff. It's interesting. I watch it because I like to watch the families fight each other for the Game of Thrones or whatever. But then when you take yourself out of the show and you say, wow, a bunch of people in some room in Hollywood or wherever they were living came together, wrote a script, and made these characters their words and the scenes. They thought this is good art to create. They came up. They wrote them from their own brains, these kind of nasty, nasty conversations and behaviors. And once I started thinking about it like that, I was like, well, this is demonic. You know what I mean? And that's the number one most watched show in the whole wide world. So when you think about it like that, it's like, that is nasty. So then what I also think about is what other narratives are pushed onto us. We are aware of the fact that groups like Planned Parenthood have actual abortion, like pro-abortion messaging writers in Hollywood that are brought onto the writing teams of movies and TV shows to specifically help those writing teams of movies and TV shows include pro-abortion messaging or experiences in their show. Did you know that? Now you do. So what else are they pushing? And I'm becoming more and more firm in the fact that greater forces out there, negative forces out there, are pushing certain messages onto our youth, including how the best thing to do is to abandon your family, leave them, and go wherever your little heart desires, to leave and never look back, to despise your hometown, to to not like the people there, to not like the area, to not want to go back. And it rips families apart. And so I just, I look at that and I'm like, why is that the overwhelming message that we always see? And don't get me wrong. I think it's really cool to go out and experience things. And I've moved away too. And you have situations like young people growing up in blue states knowing, oh my gosh, I have no future here and hoping that their family will follow them. Like that's, that's what it is for me where people in New York, a ton of us are leaving, million left before COVID even happened. In the 10 years before COVID, 1 million people moved out of New York state down south to, to greater experiences. And they were people with conservative values that had my kind of lifestyle desires and wanted to live out their values in a place that didn't hate them. You know what I mean? Like the governor of New York literally said, conservatives are not welcome here. You, you aren't welcome here. We don't like you. They said it in a, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but they said a very aggressive statement of like, listen, we don't like that kind of lifestyle that you want. You're not really welcome here. We're not going to do things the way you ever want to do them. Blah, blah, blah. Made it very clear. Guess what? We're not welcome here. So a lot of young people in New York have to face that situation of moving out of state and then hoping their family retires near them in the future once their parents are able to leave their jobs or whatever that may be. And so moving your whole family is a really big deal. There's different situations when you provide the context that it, it's like, yeah, it's not as simple as saying always stay where you're from. But the message that it's not good to stay where you're from in every situation is kind of sad to me. So when you get away from that messaging and realize that there's there should be no shame in staying where your roots were planted and that there's no shame in staying close to your family or on your family's property or in your family's house for a longer period of time, then you're kind of free to make better choices for yourself. Just like rejecting the college standard narrative of you got to go, you got to get this degree, you're going to get a job, it's the only way. Once you remove yourself from that narrative, from that pipeline, you're like, wait, the world is my oyster and I have so much that I could achieve here. So back to this though. 
both genders go to school, both genders move far away from family, both genders get a large amount of student debt, and it's frowned upon to stay at home, whether that's to stay at home and go to a local school and drive, or frowned upon to go to a two-year school and only get an associate's degree and then transfer into a large university or just get your two-year degree. It's frowned upon to go to a trade school. It's frowned upon to move home after college. Like There is just judgment after judgment, and you have to be strong enough to not give a dang what they think about you in order to free yourself from the clutches of society. (laughs) Wow, I'm just really aggressive right now. But yes, here's the frustration that gets me after college because they tell you just get your apartment, run from home, flee from your hometown, all that stuff. Hollywood pushes it. And it separates generations by hours at least, okay? So there was a time when families used to take care of each other. I don't know if you knew this. Before Social Security, families were really responsible for all generations of the family. So you wouldn't just send mama when she got old to a nursing home to go live out her last years there. Instead, the older generations would live in the family's house. And you would take care of the grandparents and the great-grandparents. You wouldn't just put them in a nursing home. On top of that, You would also then, when you had young kids, be able to, whether it was the house over or another house in town, or if they lived in the house, you would be able to have the young kids, your babies, be raised and loved and protected by the older generations of the family that were at home while you were at work or whatever it may be. If the mom needs help because she's running around the house, grandma was there to help and assist. But now we have family units that are literally just the parents and the kids. And if they need to get a babysitter, they have to go pay for that babysitter. If they need a nanny, they pay for a nanny. If they need daycare, they have to go pay for daycare. Or they just put their kid early into public school and then they have to go in for that early watching and then they have to stay late for the after school programs, whatever it is. But it's not family members that are there to take care of them for free. So that really, really upsets me. Not just for like the financial and political situations of that, because now we have to do social security, you have to rely on the government payments, and the whole program is about to literally collapse because we don't take care of our generations of family. But you also have situations of both parents being expected to go to work, and then they have to pay for daycare at the same time because they are just alone in their town. Their nearest family is hours away. So you can see how this has so many different impacts And perhaps if we lived closer to our loved ones, and I get it, not everybody has family to lean on, but if you had closer connections and we didn't push and normalize the moving away so much, perhaps we'd have better ties societally and better politics. Now we have to bring in the woman perspective, okay? So back to that idea of like, okay, Morgan went through this. I went to college. I did the whole job thing, realized, wait a second, I was just put through a funnel like society wanted me to be of women's empowerment, and I realized that that's not what I want at all, and I want to focus on my family. What the heck are you supposed to do when you are out of school years and then waiting to find your partner, your husband, where you would then hopefully get to be the traditional wife, the traditional mother, be at home, do all that stuff? There are plenty of traditional women out there. But we aren't exactly in a time like forever ago when a daughter stayed at home until she got married and then she would move into her husband's new house. You know what I mean? Like that that movie scenario does not exist anymore. So what the heck are you supposed to do in between? 
Now you can ask yourself like what comes first, the chicken or the egg in this situation? But the bottom line is that women are treated the same as men. And so we are told go to college, get a job, move out, live in your apartment like you're supposed to and just live your life until you meet somebody and then you'll merge lives and yada yada when you're like 30. So you then have women with college debt and a job and an apartment and they have bills to pay because there's utilities. There's an apartment cost. There is food that you have to pay for. You you know, it costs money to live. And so you've got to keep your job. And so whether, again, chicken before the egg, whatever it is, they have bills to pay at this point and they've got to work a job to pay those bills and stay in their place. So then people like me, because I've been accused of this, they say, well, Morgan, you say you want to be a traditional woman, but there you are working your job. And it's like, well, what the heck am I supposed to do? when I am not married and don't have kids and I have bills to pay and an apartment to pay for and I'm just doing what I was told to do. And now, yes, I realize how it's all really messy, but what can you really expect of us women? So bottom line, it's it's a pickle, okay? It's a pickle because we have bills to pay and then you have to ask yourself, how am I going to live that traditional lifestyle if I've got to keep doing these things? I've got to keep working my job. What am I going to do? All that jazz. It's a weird in-between phase and we shouldn't be judged as traditional women for just trying to get by and do what we can in those years in between. Now, another thing is pricing because I personally believe that the government doesn't like us to succeed financially because they like to be able to control us and ruin us. Fascinating statistic, but a majority of marriages, most marriages end in divorce. Guess why? Because of miscommunication, communication issues. So basically, this study wanted to find out what's the main cause of divorce, and they did. It was miscommunication. Then they all kind of got together and said, wait a second, what are people miscommunicating about that's leading to divorce? And it turns out that main issue of miscommunication is finances. So I just find it interesting that our government ruins us financially and makes it very difficult to get by financially as a family. And what do you know? That's actually the number one cause of divorce. It's kind of sickening if you ask me. So if you didn't know that, now you know. But taking that a step further, you now have a situation for families where you basically need to have a two-income household. If you don't, it's a, a very difficult thing to do, but it's totally worth it and there's ways to do it. So it's not impossible. It's just it takes a reimagining what you do and don't need in life and all that stuff and forgetting about keeping up with the Joneses. So the situation is you now have a two-income household. The mother is taken out. That's one reason why I don't like the government ruining our finances. The others, though, is that when you break it down, it's like, okay, so young people are told to do all this stuff, and then they end up not being able to actually afford a place of their own. Like the idea of buying a house as a young person the way previous generations did is completely out of the question. Okay, maybe you're going to be lucky if you do it at 35. You know what I mean? So you can't afford a place of your own because you're too busy paying rent now for your apartment because you were told if you go live at home, you're a schmuck. So society is telling you, you got to go live on your own and pay for an apartment. So you do. But your wages are too low because right now wages are low. The prices of homes are super high and you can't save up enough for your down payment because all of your expenses are pretty much taking up most of your income. So the amount that you're able to save up for a down payment is making it look like you've got to wait another 10 years before you can put a down payment down and buy a house. Or if you get a house and you're able to buy it, then it's like, wait, can I even afford the dang property taxes? Because for me, I know that I paid like five or 6000 in property taxes last year and it hurts my soul because do you really own a piece of property if it can be taken away by the government if you don't pay your taxes on it? I would say no. <sighs> it's frustrating. So here, 
What's a positive solution we could do? I say stay at home, save the money, and buy a place of your own. Forget what society tells you to do. If you think and if you are able to stay with family and not pay rent for just a little bit of time, think about it, a short amount of time. Think of how much rent is these days. It's like 1500 on average or something in most of the places that I look for a one-bedroom apartment. So if you just ask your parents if you could pay a small amount to stay at their place or maybe they'll let you stay there with no payment, who knows? If you're allowed to stay at home and save up money for a down payment, by goodness, you should be doing that, okay? That's a question where you need to ask. Don't think of what society considers to be a grown-up thing to do, like move out and live in your own apartment. Do what the long-term best solution is for you. And if you're able to live without paying rent to some guy who's making a ton of money off your rent payment, then don't do it, okay? Don't pay that rent. Go live at home and save that money up for a down payment and get as stable as you can be. Don't look at society's timelines that are expected of you. Just stay focused on your life plan. Now, here's the other financial situation that I blame the government on because once again, the government is causing us financial problems and then it turns out financial problems actually break us the most. And so it's almost like they enjoy us being miserable because then they can control us. What's another thing that causes separation and divorce in families? It turns out you're 33% more likely to get divorced if you lived together before marriage. Now, here's the situation. If you are lucky enough to have friends that can be your roommates, then that is great. But if you are in a relationship, this is, you know, put yourself in common sense mode. Say you're 27 years old. You work a job. Your boyfriend is 30 years old. He works a job. You are both living in your own separate apartments paying $1,000 to $1,500 a month when you could live in your one place together and pay half of that each and save up that money for your dreams one day. I get it. Lots of people do this. I don't really believe in this concept anymore because of the numbers and the information that it's shown up and it's really sad to build a life with someone and then have to like rip it all apart and move out and all that jazz. So I just, I encourage you to save it till marriage. But when you consider the factors of like, well, this makes a lot of sense financially because we're both paying so much money to live separately. Let's just move in. We love each other so much. You're 33% more likely to get a divorce if you do this before marriage because it, it just causes a bunch of problems. And so knowing that, it's like, wow, another thing that leads to separation of relationships, love, family, once again, caused by finances. And once again, I personally think the government is causing our financial pains for the most part. I know I'm just complaining in this episode of all these problems that we're facing, but I hope you can see where a lot of it just doesn't make sense. And if we just shifted our mindset on what the real purpose is here in terms of being responsible and living on our own, then it's like, okay, maybe this is all just a scam. So Getting to that bigger picture, I believe one of the other scams that we're experiencing is the general issue of our 20s. I don't think ever, ever before has a a group of people in a nation or in other nations as well, I guess, has a group of young people been told, hey, from your 20s to your 30s, for 10 years of your life, you should live it up. Do not settle down. Do not get in a relationship long-term. Do not try and marry someone. Do not have children. Spend this whole decade of your life, at least, living it up, earning as much money as you can, building your career up as much as you can, really just grinding, having fun, experiencing the pleasures of life. 
do that for 10 years. Live alone. Do that whole shebang. And then when that's all done, yeah, settle down and do the rest of it and have the kids that are going to be screaming all the time and you'll never be able to travel any anymore and your wife, well, eh, you guys won't really like each other and you'll both get fat, but whatever. At least you lived it up in this decade. I think that this selling of an entire decade of being alone and living it up for personal enjoyment and pleasure is actually making people super depressed because no one should really be alone like that. No one should be so self-absorbed like that. And to live in service to others and to have greater meaning in life is so important. It's not a a drag down. It's actually very uplifting. And especially considering it's our most fertile years, it's kind of disturbing that they're telling us to avoid doing anything having to do with reproduction and settling down and building a family. Like in previous generations, that is the entire decade you grow your family and you're young and able to do that and keep up with the kids and all that stuff. And so I, I have no idea what the science is. I have no idea you know, what the data is on this, but it sounds kind of disturbing when you describe it like that. It's a nasty cycle that too many young people have been put through. So no wonder they feel empty and soulless on the inside is all I'm going to say. That's another situation where you could say, okay, this has to do with the kind of lifestyle that I want for me and my future family. I'm going to reject this narrative and I'm going to embrace something more important and meaningful. So the question that we first got in the beginning of this, that that question of when should I go live off on my own? Please remove all standard societal expectations and ask yourself, what do you really want in life? And what would it take you to get there? And then make those appropriate steps. It's super simple. This is a lot of relearning, I would say, not just for like the the people that are in their 20s going, what the heck am I doing right now? Society's put me down a bad path. But it's also a lot of relearning for parents. It's relearning for us in terms of being in our 20s, not just for ourselves, but like, okay, how would I parent moving forward? How would I want to raise my kids to reject the societal standards? How would I want to go differently? And everybody else, okay? If you maybe find yourself and nobody wants to admit it right but if you find yourself keeping societal expectations in the back of your mind and you're judging others when you see them not keeping up with them learn to stop it okay we all have to relearn a few things that have been ingrained into our bodies from a very young age so i think we should learn more to not judge others to not follow the herd and we should not shove our kids out of our home because them at home means that they're behind with keeping up with the Joneses. Them them at home is embarrassing because you see other parents with their kids in their fun apartments and in the city living it up with a big job and all that stuff. And I think we should raise children to respect generational living. Like there's so many different angles to this that I think could have long-term positive impacts. Now here's the thing. I know it won't change the world. I know most people are not going to listen to this episode and be like, wow. I'm going to change my entire lifestyle now. For the most part, people don't agree with us on this. For the most part, people are happy with how things are. And I would just say that for the people that do care and are interested in asking the bigger questions of like, how can we embrace our roots, go back to more meaningful ways, fix some of the problems in society that that more directly affect us, these are the kind of things that I think could have generational impacts, the kind of generational impacts that we're talking about. So that being said, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. I will see you next episode. Bye-bye.